And for several weeks now, we've been walking through the Psalms. In fact, we're going to be learning from them as well after service. Uh, but instead of just listening now, that's going to be responsive. So keep an eye out for your part, and we'll just go verse by verse through Psalm 112. Are there... Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure that they had their part up there too. Good. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, keep your family, the church, continually in the true faith, that, relying on the hope of your heavenly grace, we may ever be defended by your mighty power, through Jesus Christ. Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Old Testament reading is from Isaiah in the 58th chapter. Why have we fasted, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call. And the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the letter to the Corinthians in the second chapter. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear, and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. 
Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the spirit, of who, the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From Matthew's gospel in the fifth chapter. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning where you gather us together around your word and gift. We pray that you would also move us by your spirit, remove distractions from our hearts and minds, and let our hearts and minds and ears uh, hear your word. For us in Jesus, in his name we pray, amen. These past couple of weeks, we've been hearing Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. And if, uh, you know, we could really do it right, it would be great to just read that entire account all the way through. To be able to hear the full context of what Jesus is saying, except we're getting it piece by piece. And so sometimes pieces of this sermon are going to, not my sermon, his sermon, are going to uh, feel like they're out of context. Although pieces of my sermons feel like they're out of context sometimes too. I'm, he's better than I am. Uh, but as we hear it piece by piece, sometimes it's hard to string it all together. Okay? And today's piece is a very interesting one. As we heard in the gospel reading where Jesus is just following on the tales of what we heard last week with all the Beatitudes, right? And he's calling you blessed. That beautiful gospel word of 
not saying be poor and meek so that you will be blessed or be hungry and thirsty for righteousness so you will be blessed, but he calls you blessed to begin with. It's kind of what he does. I mean, even at creation, right? Before he even brought Adam and Eve into things and gave them work for the world, he put everything together, gave them a place to live, gave them all the things that were necessary and said, here you are, here's everything you possibly need right here for you. When he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, did the same thing. Brings them through all of the trials after all of the years of slavery. Brings them to Mount Sinai, comes into their presence, brings Moses up and then sends him back with the word. And he says, all right, here's how you're going to live as my people. But he didn't start there. Remember his words before the commandments. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery in Egypt, who have made you my people. And I am the one who's going to take care of you and provide for you and lead you and guide you. And I am the one who sets all of this up and you are my people. I have made you mine. I am here for you. So here's what it looks like to live as my people. See, he starts with his actions first. He starts with his words first. The Sermon on the Mount's no different. Blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you, blessed are you. And then we get the words of today. You are salt, you are light. Don't process that as you ought to be salt and you ought to be light. Try to be salt and try to be light. Be more salty, be brighter. That's not what the words are. You are blessed. You are salt. You are light. God makes you so. He, he also doesn't say be salty. We hear that a little bit different. <laughs> but he says you are salt. Remember where he's at again. Okay. You know that I love visual pictures and things, and I probably should put something back there, but put yourself at the north end of the Sea of Galilee overlooking the sea, and Jesus is there, and he's preaching, and over one shoulder uh, there is the town of Magdala that's known for salting fish. It's what they do. It's what they've done for a long time. They know what salt does. They know the characteristics of salt. They know uh, the usefulness of it. They know all the properties of it, all those kind of things. That's over one shoulder. And then over the other shoulder is this big city that's up on a hill called Hippos. It's bright. People would see it all the way across the sea. It says, you are salt, you are light. And if salt should not be salty, hold on, that's nonsense. Salt has one thing. It is one thing. If salt isn't salt, then it's not, well, salt. It's something else. And it's great working through different translations of uh, scriptures and whatnot. We always hear, if salt should lose its, its flavor, right? If salt should lose its character, if salt should lose its saltiness. Hear it this way. If salt should play the fool and try to be something else. If salt should be insipid. If salt should try to pretend to be, I don't know, sand pepper, something else, then what good is it? It's not serving its purpose at all. Those are hard words to hear for us. You are salt. As a Christian, as a believer, as one baptized in Christ's righteousness, you are salt. So if salt should lose its character, what good is it for us? Those words hit kind of hard. 
because we start looking back at our lives and start wondering where are the times that I've pushed away God's character? Where are the times that maybe I didn't speak the way I should or do the things that uh, needed to be done for somebody else's good? Because salt doesn't serve itself either. Salt takes care of other things. In the same way that light does. He says, you are light. But light that's hidden doesn't serve any good purpose. And so we start wondering, I'm light. But what are the times that maybe I've tried to hide that? See, there aren't necessarily things we can do to make ourselves saltier, make ourselves brighter. Christ has already made us those things. But there's plenty of things we can do that hinder that. And those are the things that we come in repentance with. And we ask God for forgiveness for. And we say, dear Lord, please take away from me the things that are hindering all the ways in which you would have me be as your child, all the ways that you would have me take care of the people that are around me. Because you can't necessarily change the character that God has given. You are salt. You are light. But not because of your doings or anything that you've done. It's because of who he has made you to be, who he has created you to be, all the gifts that he has given you, all of the different ways in which he has gifted you with skills and talents and everything else, and then also even with Christ's righteousness as he hands that over to you as a free gift in your baptism to make you righteous, to make you salt, to make you light, something that you were not before without him. And he sends you out. And we start to wonder, yeah, but how how much is my little grain of salt really helpful? How much is my little light that God gives me really helpful? But see, as he speaks to all those people up on that Sea of Galilee, up on that north end, and you start to hear those words, you are the light of the world, a dark place that needs light. And you say, yeah, but mine's not that bright. And you say, yeah, yeah, but gather them all together, and you're like a big old city that can't be hidden. Think about that. All those little lights... Have you ever flown in somewhere at nighttime and you see all the lights out there? Or drive out across through the desert and you hit the middle of the desert around midnight and it's dark, there's no road lights, there's no nothing, there's no other street lights, anything, and the gas gauge is dwindling. And you're praying for some sort of downhill or tailwind or something because you know that there's plenty of miles ahead, but there's no light anywhere. And then you come over the crest of one little hill and you start to see a little glow of light out there. And your hopes start to raise just a little bit. And then you realize that that glow becomes a whole bunch of lights all gathered together. And then you're waiting for one of those really tall signs up on the side that, you know, is saying Shell or Chevron or Mobile or something. And that they're open, right? You see that as a place of refuge, a place where all these little lights gathered together give you some sort of hope, and God calls you light. All gathered together, sharing his light as a place of refuge in a dark world, a place where folks will come and hear of his good works, of his good deeds, of his death and resurrection for your forgiveness. And it's great to gather here and have that all and hear all of that and that's wonderful but then out in a place that is much darker and in a place where folks aren't going to hear that word you get to share that very same word you get to share the very same goodness of god and the righteousness of christ that's there for people's forgiveness a light that they will not see in from anywhere else 
the light of God shining through you because you are light. So we're salt, we're light. And he says, look, if you want to try and do it on your own, you've got to be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees ever were. You have to do more work than they've ever done. And then again, in the people's ears, it sounds more like nonsense. Salt doesn't become non-salt. You don't hide light under a bowl or a basket or a bushel or anything. You put it up so people can see it. And to be more righteous than the scribes and the Pharisees? That's nonsense too. It's unattainable. There's no way to do it. Christ says, you're right. But I give you my righteousness. You're mine. I send you out as my people, as the light of the world, as the salt of the earth, and as those who are righteous in Christ. Not by your own doing or anything like that, but because Christ has made you so. And he is the one that strengthens us each day. He is the one that brightens the lights. He's the one that makes sure it's just enough salt and not too much. He's the one that forgives, and he's the one that gives life through all of it. See, and as he's teaching and says, look, the ones who let go of these commandments even just a little bit, remember that that's about what we're going to hear as the sermon continues. Next week, the words that we hear are going to be on anger and divorce and all kinds of different things. And as he brings up all of the commandments from the past and says these are the expectation of God's people and he's going to dig even deeper into those as we continue on in the sermon next week. He says, look, I haven't come to do away with any of those. I've come to fulfill them. Everything that those pointed to, everything that the prophets pointed to, I've come to fulfill all of that, to complete it, to fill it up so that the necessity to do them for your own righteousness would be filled and complete. Doesn't mean they go away necessarily, but the perspective changes. You see, he fills all of them up so that you get to be right before God. That's how he can call us blessed. And then he says, now, here's how you live to take care of the rest of the world. In my righteousness, you are salt and light and forgiven in everything. And we know that that forgiveness doesn't end, and that forgiveness doesn't change. And God's work in fulfilling all of the, what the law and the prophets were pointing to in Christ fulfilled all of the promises that God gave as far as pointing to a Savior and a Messiah and one that would make creation right before the Creator again. And that is done and complete and handed over to you as a free gift. So now, you get to be salt. You get to be light. And you are righteous in Christ. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have done to make us right before you. And as you send us out into a world that needs your light, we pray that you would strengthen us. Remove the things that would hinder uh, the opportunities. Remove the things that would hinder our courage, all those sorts of things. And we thank you for your work by your spirit in all the places you lead us, that your light would shine, that your word would be spoken, and more and more would hear of your forgiveness in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise and